Hello and welcome to When I Found Grace podcast. Today we continue our conversation of another take with my father-in-law, Joseph Brown. By grace you have been saved. By grace you have been saved. By grace you have been saved. By grace you faith. continue our conversation with my father-in-law, Joseph Brown. And our last episode, we really kind of got to dig into the history of him and where he came from, his upbringing a little bit. And, and then we ended the episode with talking about his decision to move on from becoming a priest. And what we'll see today is where that led him to how he met my mother-in-law, and some of the things I'm excited to talk about is very relevant to our culture today. And most of that revolves around his time that he met my mother-in-law and how as a mixed race couple, they lived and had to conduct themselves through apartheid in South Africa. And so there's some really good, interesting things that we get to hear about. And then ultimately how even though my father-in-law was training to become a priest in the Catholic church, how eventually it led to him finally for the very first time hearing about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I'm really excited to get this going and to get this started. So without further ado, let's get in to the conversation. By grace you have been saved by grace disappointed, absolutely um, shattered because their son no longer wanted to be a priest, which is obviously the case with Catholic parents. Most sure. Catholic parents would be happy that their, that their son was, would be a priest. Well, sure. it's, uh, it's the desire of all Catholic parents, especially Irish Catholic parents. Yeah. So anyway, um, and also, um, my parents were upset from the fact that my mother used to my mother my mother was involved in the in the in the payment of, of fees. The diocese didn't pay all the fees; there was a shortfall. And my mother, religiously, excuse the pun, had to uh, pay every month a certain fee. Um, that obviously impacted on my on my sisters because they went without because there wasn't the same amount of money available because someone was going on one member of, of the children. So they were they went without. And my parents sort of felt that, hey, you know, the girls have gone without and you're not going, you're not proceeding with it. Sure. So right. Anyway, um I came home. Yeah, I was at a loose end after being in this seminary because after five years of um, yeah restrictions and sudden freedom and suddenly you know not knowing what to do like a fish out of water. Yeah. Um, long story short, um, I 
decided to emigrate. And I emigrated to South Africa at the age of 21. What was your decision based off of to immigrate there? Because I, I, I can't imagine an Englishman in their right mind would go from England, the, mother, yeah. the motherland, well, to South Africa, which yeah. I suppose, for lack of better terms, many would consider yeah. the bush, right? Well, at that time, the South African government were looking for white faces oh. because of apartheid. Okay. Okay. They didn't want to open up the job market to South Africans who were white, black, colored, whatever. Sure. They wanted to uh, perpetuate the white power aspect. Um, and they offered good money to get whites out there. Okay. Uh, that was assisted um, uh, air ticket basically for nothing to go on by plane, um, immigration hotel for six weeks and, a, and guarantee of a job. That's what it was, was about. So I went yeah. to Johannesburg and uh, had a good job. Yeah. So eventually um, I, I was training to be an insurance broker. And then after a while, um, I'd got enough training. I decided to go, I got an offer of a job in Swaziland, which is a, a was a, Black African independent country, and I went there and uh, ran an insurance broking house for a number of years. And then after that, I uh, was transferred by the uh, head office to uh, okay. to Durban. Wow! Wow! Yeah. So the before you'd moved there, had you ever been to Africa? No, no, never. No, no. Okay, so not not until after had you been off of England <laughs> or out of England for that matter? Uh, no, not really. I'd been to the Channel Islands, uh, okay. which is off the south coast of England. Sure, um, I hadn't really travelled, so obviously, you know, uh, I was disappointed when I got to Johannesburg that there was no. Lions walking in the street. <laughs> you wanted to wrestle one right away, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so the story goes that, uh, yeah, I was transferred to Durban where I met my wife, Jeanette, um, who made a big impact on my life. From the word yeah. go, obviously, we, we wanted to move the relationship on. Can I ask... How did you meet? Because I, I don't think I ever know how or what circumstances brought you to me, if, if you don't mind sharing. Okay. No, I don't. I don't. What happened was when I was in Johannesburg at the immigration hotel, there was a guy there who I, who I met. He was an Irishman. And became your brother-in-law. And he became my brother-in-law, yeah. Um, he married um, Jeanette's sister. Anyway, so I knew, I knew Glenn. And he eventually pulled out of Joburg and went to Swaziland. And by coincidence, I got, um, I got transferred. But yes, I met Jeanette through her sister, Jean, who married Glenn, my friend. Okay. It sounds like an incestuous relationship, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so that's, that's, how, that's how we met. Right. Um, and when I, trans when I was transferred out of um, uh, Swaziland, I, I stayed at the Holiday Inn 
for a number of months, courtesy of the company. Um, and I used to go round to Jeanette's house and have a nice Indian curry rather than the holiday inn meals. Oh, yeah. And there, there we sort of saw one another. And eventually I asked uh, Jeanette's father for permission to marry. Um, from that point, mm. obviously life changed um, because... Yes. It was the it was the time of apartheid. Um I could visit Jeanette in the Indian yes. area, no problem. But she couldn't visit easily and comfortably in a white area, right? That was that was uh, the Group Areas Act forbade different races yeah. living in areas which were not allocated to them. Anyway, so we decided, yeah, okay, fine, we we're going to get married. So on this one day, when we decide to get married, we get hold of Charles, right? right. right? Um, Charles and Doreen, right? Who's uh, Doreen is uh, Jeanette's sister. Um, I, I phoned in sick to the company because I was going to drive out of South Africa to an independent homeland called the Transkei, which was set up by the South African government set up as a as a uh, a nice a nice side of apartheid right and they they ran it but it was the the world could deal with Transkei because there was no apartheid there you are you with me okay from a political point of view anyway so we drove that morning early down to the Transkei which is yeah it's about 6 hours down okay 6 hours okay on the writing day. Well, the reason the reason also was that was payday as well. So it was a good day to get married. Oh, I see. <laughs> okay. Okay. So we drove down there. When we got down there, we changed into our clothes and and got married. The um, the Anglican Cathedral down there, and the uh, the bishop married us. His wife okay. was a witness. Charles and Doreen were witnesses. And we were the happy couple. Oh, neat. So okay. we, uh, we got married. Yeah. After okay. the wedding, we got changed again and then came back. Yeah, another six hours back. But remember, we can't live together because of apartheid. Oh, wow. Uh, okay, so you couldn't even live in in with her. You I had to live. No, not, not full time. I'd, I'd have difficulty wow. um, as yeah. a white man living there permanently. Sure, yeah. sure. You would lose your job. Yeah. What happens, I went to my house, right? Yeah. Um, and then she went to her house. Okay. So then we decided, hang on, uh, this is not going to work long term. Mm. So we decided to emigrate. Um, and we packed everything up and we came to England. Oh, wow. Right? Where, yeah, yeah. Where, John, where our son was born. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah, uh, and, and Jeanette says that she didn't like England. She, I think, even even though you could live together, you yeah. don't like it. No, she didn't like it. Yeah, after two years, she decided to go back. Okay. I think what happens is um, no family, no family, and this is a thing for the female, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And this is how Sarah is better now, but obviously being away from family. But you see, also with South Africa, you've got the sunshine, 
you've got the scenery yeah. and everything else. And that's that's the draw. If you ask South Africans that pull out that pull out of uh, South Africa, they come to England. What do you miss about South Africa? What will they the say? Sun. <laughs> everything. Yeah, everything. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I've I mean, obviously I've been to England several times in my yeah. life. And and I would say that was the one thing that I, I noticed more than anything was it was it was dark and, and it seemed to be because it was relatively flat and the trees were, were well-grown. And so, especially where you lived in East Grinstead, it was, um, it seemed like there were times where it seemed like the sun would never shine (laughs) if, if that makes sense. So, so I, 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 I understand the, um, coming to a, a, from a different land to England and it's, it's quite dreary. It's almost depressing. Um, and, and everything's old and smells like mold. <laughs> no, not yeah. like mold, but, but it's, you can tell, I mean, cause the house that you lived in at the time was older than the country I lived in. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. Was, that was true. Yeah. So, so you guys decided, so you immigrated up to England and then you decided to immigrate back. Mom went first. She was, um, now was apartheid at that time. Had it ended or were you, okay. It had ended. It ended. It ended when Mandela was released from prison. Okay. And then, then they had free and fair elections. Yeah. It ended then. Okay. And yeah. so that so that was the driving force between you guys going back to... Be able to, to come back. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah, because there was no restrictions on where you could live, uh, what you could do, what beach you could go to, where you could sit, what cinema you could go to. Wow. So and and who you lived with as AKA live with your life. Who you could live with, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Wow. And so um so you moved back to South and then how long after she went back did you what happened? What happened was um uh, she went back in July nineteen eighty five with Jonathan uh-huh. and I had okay. the house to sell. And it, it took forever. Okay. But long story short, it eventually, uh, I eventually sold it and I was ready to move back to, um, ready to move back to South Africa. But I just want to tell you, um, mm-hmm. I've got a little story here to tell you about what happened whilst Jeanette was gone. Yeah. When we, when we lived in, in, in Northampton, in 1983, 84, 85, um, and as newlyweds and with one child, we attended a church called St. Giles, which was Protestant, Anglican, um, in the city centre. Um, and the Holy Spirit was moving in this church. Um, and they started an evangelical explosion course. Have you heard of it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and they had a, a, taste, a taster evening, a taster lunch, Saturday lunch, right? Uh, a bowl of soup and a bread roll. Okay. So all these people from the church were gathered there. And then they had two guys from the church 
with the introduction. Um, if you were to die tonight, where would where would you go? And the other guy said, I'd go to heaven. And he'd say, well, why would you say, oh, well, I don't commit adultery. I don't steal. I'm a good person. Of course, I'll go to heaven. And then they went through the whole business. Um, the point I, I want to make is I was 35 years of age at that point, at that, on that day. Um, and I never, as a Catholic, um, uh, training to be a priest, I had never, ever in all my life heard that the gospel preached. Never. Because I'd always been brought up, it was by works, right? Whether it's attending church, uh, benediction, going to mm. confession, having yeah. communion, uh, kneeling, genuflecting, rosaries, your prayer book, all of that was what you did because that was a good Catholic. So at that point, I was overcome um, and had this incredible feeling of, um, of joy and excitement. The penny had actually dropped for me. Um, and I believe that that was the moment that the Holy Spirit came into my life um, in a magnificent way. And I then got a little bit serious with what was going on with the guys at the church and I attended a uh, once a week attended a, a six o'clock prayer meeting, which was early for me, uh, six o'clock in the morning. I mean, there's people coming home from the nightclub and I'm going to a prayer meeting, right? Right. It's a story. <laughs> anyway, so I used to go to this prayer meeting and the guys were really on fire. That's the first time I'd ever prayed in a group because what happens is in a circle, it, with, in, with Christian guys, they start it off and it goes round. And if you don't say something, it stays there, right? And then you get a terrible complex about, I've got to do something here because the guy next to me is, is, uh, wants to say something and I've got to say something. Long story short, I then started to pray. Um, and then guys prayed over me and uh, at that one meeting, um, I started speaking in tongues and then uh, I accepted the Lord. I came home from that meeting. I went upstairs to the bedroom. Remember, Jeanette's not there. Right, I'm in the right. house on my own. Um, I, I, I sat there and I, I opened my Bible and I just started crying. Wow. I just couldn't stop crying. I cried and cried and cried and cried and cried. And I knew that um, something had really happened. And I remember phoning, phone calls from the UK in 1980-something to South Africa were expensive. <laughs> you, you, you had your alarm clock next to you just in case you did more than five minutes. Oh, no. And, and I had to apply for a mortgage, yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so um, I phoned Jeanette and I said, guess what? And she said, I, I don't know, tell me. And I said, I've just giving my heart to the Lord. And she said, whoopee, thank goodness, about time. <laughs> and I'm going, about time? Were you waiting? She said, no, the Lord was waiting. Because <laughs> mom, mom has been a believer well before you had, I mean, as, as being born again. Yeah. 30, 38, age of 30. 
she got saved at the age of 30. At 30. And, okay. and she's 74 wow. today. Wow. So she's been on the road a long time. Obviously, she, she stayed with it and didn't give up. Yeah. It's very difficult yeah. with your wife to disobey. It's difficult to disobey the Lord, but with your wife, it's difficult to have a relationship and to be on the same page and not do right. what she's praying for. Especially when she's praying aloud yeah. and you're trying yeah. to have your breakfast. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, that's, that's wonderful. And so, um, so at that point, so you got saved and then how long until you could be with your wife again after that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We, um, shortly after that, well, I went back to live at her house. We were living there. um, Okay. In South Africa. And looking for houses. Yeah. In South Africa. Yeah. Um, now let, let me ask when, when you got back and obviously, and you were back with your wife now, yeah. um, I mean, as, as far as relationally and in your relationship as, I mean, you're a completely new man now. Yes. And, and was this, was this something that was, was evident your in your relationship and the way that you treated each other, the way yeah. that you oh, yeah. acted and yeah. was, had you become, had you become her dream man finally? Yeah. yeah. I like to think so. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yes. Uh, life was, life was di- different because I had more patience yeah. and remember that we'd been apart. Yeah, and we had a baby. And we had a baby. No, and the baby lost the baby. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jeanette had a miscarriage. Yeah. Well, oh, well, wow. When I got back? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. shortly and after that, she had a miscarriage. And then my Sarah was born. And then and after then that, my Sarah was born. She got pregnant again. Sarah. And then Sarah was born. But we, um, I lived, we lived with Jeanette's father for about three, four months. Mm. And then we bought a house. Mm. Um, in a place called Durban North, yeah, where Sarah was born. Yeah, um, yeah and we were, we were a happy family. We were, we're you know, church, yeah. everything yeah. was worthwhile. Yeah. And then we joined a church, um, Living Waters by the Sea, which was um, charismatic, Pentecostal. Yeah. And, and, yeah, we were doing good. Things were happening. We got... I got baptized. We we both got baptized in, in the in the pool in the yeah. church. Jonathan and Sarah got baptized. Yeah. Yeah. We used to go to camps, which was good. Um, we had an active church life. By grace you have been saved by grace through faith. I can't tell you how much of a blessing it is to have in-laws and a family that have given their hearts to the Lord and have committed it to Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean that everything has been easy or that even after that time that everything just went smooth because what we'll see in the next episode is it doesn't, but it's always good to have a family that has these examples and has given us this example to always fall on Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And what better examples 
can you get than that? And so hopefully you were blessed by hearing even more from my father-in-law, and I'm excited to continue going through this conversation in the next episode as well. Have a great day and God bless. God bless.